All right, everybody, before we dive into today's episode, we are brought to you by two headline sponsors, the first one being Elite Sweets. Elite Sweets is redefining the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donuts. The Elite Donut is a better-for-you donut that is packed with 13 grams of protein. They're gluten-free, keto-friendly, and contain only one gram of sugar. These have become a staple in our house as we look to have a healthy diet and want products that if we do feel like having that sweet or you know having a cheat meal or just a cheat snack, um, something that's not going to completely ruin our diet. So Elite Sweets have become that. Uh, it's a donut. It tastes delicious. It tastes just like those shitty donuts that you're used to growing up, except these ones are, are high in protein, gluten-free, they're keto-friendly for all you keto dieters out there. And most importantly, in my mind, uh, they only contain one gram of sugar. So get yours today at EliteDonut.com or on Amazon. If you use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout, you'll get 30% off your order. And that code works on both Amazon and EliteDonut.com. Again, that code is ShaneWhite30, all one word, and you'll get 30% off your order. Today's episode is also brought to you by Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, mostly just from sweating while you sleep, which is something I did not know before I started working with the guys over at Routine. They've come up with a product that they call Morning Routine. It's a single-serve packet that I take every morning, and it contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. Most people wake up, they grab that cup of coffee first thing in the morning. What most people don't realize is if you wake up dehydrated, which is easy to do when you, uh, when you wake up from a, a long night's sleep, uh, your body sweats and expels a lot of vapors while you're sleeping. Instead of grabbing that cup of coffee, try grabbing a morning routine packet. Each of these, as I mentioned, uh, is made up of all these great ingredients that helps rehydrate you in the morning, get your metabolism going once again. Uh, I just take one of these little, there's little single serve packets, tear one open, throw it into, you know, just a shaker bottle or 20 ounces of water, shake it up and drink it. First thing in the morning, you feel a difference. You really do feel hydrated again. You can tell the difference when you use the product and then go off of it again, the difference you feel first thing in the morning. Routine, trusted ingredients, made convenient. You can go to yourroutine.com and use code ShaneWhite30. Again, Shane White 30, same coupon code as the last brand, Elite Suites. If you use code Shane White 30 at checkout on yourroutine.com, you can get 30% off your first order. All right, everybody. I have a great guest coming up next, and I will talk to you in just a second. That means I know I have to remember it. Okay, but then what just happened? So for everyone who's listening, who who is just now seeing this, Chris, I was dying laughing. Had had a bunch of to dos on this whiteboard behind him, and then we were trying to blur out the screen, couldn't figure it out. We just went with they'll just erase it all. But yeah, what happens with all your stuff now that you don't have it in front of you? You know, it's just like how we determine product roadmap. Whatever, whatever the brand is screaming at us most to build is what we're gonna build. So you know, it's okay. Like, List. It's whatever is screaming at me, Tiffin, please do this. You totally forgot. Then it will make its way back onto the board. 
know? Okay. No, that's fair. I, you know what's funny? You say that, and I will, I'm sure we'll get into this to some degree. I, I have a, I have a problem of, of overanalyzing all the things that I need to do and then not – you know what I mean? Like almost spending too much time worrying about what I need to do versus just, you know, I don't know, uh, running into whatever is the most important. So there you go. That's a good way to do it. Yes, dude, and that's literally why I literally write down things that I have to do one, two, three, four, five, and I I force myself to do them sequentially. Otherwise, oh, okay. otherwise it's like it, it will not get done because the stuff that's usually number one is this is this stuff that you that I do not want to do, right? Um, but yeah, man, that's that's the tip and hack right there. That's well, I was gonna say just to dive straight into it. That's that's a cool way to do it. So, do you what do you use the whiteboard most of the time? I'm moving my microphone because I'm realizing how far away it is. What um do you do you do that on the whiteboard or do you normally do that on like pen and paper, an app? What do you use? Well, yeah, I went from pen and paper. And now I'm using I'm using the girlfriend's iPad. Okay. Um, <laughs> because the pen and paper, I have like 35 sheets everywhere. Yeah. Right? yeah and. Yeah. Yeah, and then it would be like, Chris, your office is a mess. And she's also the only person who calls me Chris. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, all right, let's level up. Let's just use our iPads. Now I never lose anything. But the whiteboard behind us, that is purely for you got to do this yesterday. Uh, oh, okay. So urgent, urgent things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Got it. Very cool. Love it. Well, for everyone listening, we just jumped right in, but Chris would love to just give everyone a little bit of background of you, yourself, and then what you're building, and then obviously we'll dive all into your background, too. Let's go. Yeah, man. Let's get it. <laughs> I, I appreciate you for having me on. To all the listeners, I was like, guys, I'm the most terrible podcast guest because I just ramble on and I get too excited, but I appreciate you guys for tuning in, so let's get into it. Um, long story short, right? I was one of the earliest employees at Super Coffee, right? Young enough and early enough to live on the brother's couch. Right? Okay, I didn't know that part. And it was funny. Wait, quick tangent, quick tangent there. I actually, Jimmy spoke at my school my fourth year of college, right? I say fourth year as opposed to senior year because I was going to be a super senior at the time. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was taking a victory lap, right? <laughs> and I, I slid into his Instagram DMs and I was like, Hey, Mr. DeSico, I'm really excited to hear you speak next week. Right? Like, literally the corniest thing ever. If anyone knows <laughs> either me or Jimmy or, like, our relationship, it's like I, I literally grew up with those guys on their couch. Right? Like, I learned everything from them. So it was just a super funny, super funny moment. But, yeah, lived on the brother's couch. Um, ran DTC for the first two years. Right? Because they're like, Tiffany, you're pretty nerdy. You're kind of weird. You wear glasses. Why don't, you wear, why don't you run our online business, right? I love that. Yeah, and granted, I was the only not 6'4 future NFL running back on the team. Right? <laughs> so I was like, all right, whatever. I guess my 6'185 pound soaking wet frame will just have to sell coffee on the internet. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So scaled it from 700K to 5.2 million in a year. Um, and then the year after, right, we were trending for a good number, but this common theme kept coming up. Right, where it's we know everything about our in-store shop. We know everything about our online shopper. Right, name, email. We can make a, a dollar in a minute, right, by just sending a text or turning on an ad. But the crazy part is, ninety percent of our business came from in-store, right? And what that required is hundreds of salespeople, millions in trade spend, right? Like all these activities 
that do one thing. They do not tell you who the heck your in-store shopper is. Right. Like, right. I don't know who they are, what they're buying. You can get that info, but you're going to have to pay Mintel or credit card, like any of these, any of these places, um, a ton of money, right? So left kind of launch out to tell to tell retail brands who their in-store shopper is, why are they buying, and most importantly, how you can get them to re-engage with you, right? Um, but yeah, man. Got it. Okay, so you, you going for how? How did you make the leap from sending a DM to Jimmy to actually? getting hired on the team that seems like that was quite a stretch did you end up running into him at the event or how did you how did you kind of connect those dots yeah man uh, my my almost would have been on the modern uh it was a super small like seminar right it was like seven people right? okay um it was seven people and i was just up there asking questions right all that stuff and he's like hey man let's keep the conversation going he was like good luck he's like introduce you to a bunch of people whatever um, let's see what we do this summer, right? And I was originally supposed to be an intern in DC, right? For Ray Clatterbuck, um, shout out to Ray. But I was like, hey man, can I come to up, up into the city, right? Okay. So yeah, man, that's how it happened. I was out there, even before I was even hired, I was out there slinging super coffee bottles. Cause you know at college you have like that a thousand dollars in credit a month, uh, uh, like a quarter or whatever. Oh yeah, like the you had to like spend it like the shopping mart thing, whatever. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out here bought, ripping super coffee off the shelves at our at our local Izzy's market, right, and just handing them out to all my friends. Right. Oh, uh, you bought them yourself and then just gave them away. Yeah, and then I would text Jimmy and Ryan and be like, "Hey guys, I literally just moved a hundred units off of Loyal's camp campus, wiped it out completely." Right. Uh, yeah. What, what did they say? To, you weren't. Were you hired on the team at this point? No, that was just for me to tell them I'm psycho enough. That so that was just you, that was kind of like you just going above and beyond to try to get an opportunity. Good for you. Man. <laughs> and dude, I literally totally forgot that. So I'm giggling. I totally forgot that story until you literally asked me that question of what got me there, and that's exactly what got me there. And I can only imagine, I mean, being Jimmy and the, or the brothers, hearing that some kid on a college campus spent his own money to buy their product to then just give out for free. Like, I'd be like, yeah, let's bring this guy in today. What are we, what are we doing? Yeah, man, that was funny. Wow. Good time. What made you think to do that? Did you just love the product or did you love the, the story or Jimmy himself? Like, what was it that made you even go do that? Yeah, I, I think I was just, you know, it was at that time, right, where I was like, I have no idea. I all, I was always super, like, I hate this word, right, but like entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, in high school, me and my best friends had a landscaping company called Weed Boys, and our tagline was, we'd burn it for free, right? And, and That's the, amazing. <laughs> yeah, the irony of that is all of my friend, my two best friends were, like, valedictorian and salutatorian. They all went to IVs. They never messed, like, Division One athletes. They weren't messing with with that back then right so it was ironic yeah um, for sure but yeah it, it brought i was just like wow i want to be like these guys right um and my girlfriend still rattles on me where she's like you're just waking up at 5 a.m working out because the brothers are and i'm like a third doing it and i'm doing it right hey man if it works it works you know <laughs> don't knock it until you try it right that's what i'm saying but yeah man that was that was the story that's wild. Okay, so you you're out here slinging coffee for free. Not even for free. You're you're paying to sling coffee for free, and then you get an opportunity. So did you end up dropping out of school to go work at Super Coffee? Yeah. I, I again, I hate the whole fantasize entrepreneurial. I dropped out. I just I like to say I just didn't come back. Okay. 
Because you uh, had one more year and you just didn't come back. Yeah, I had. I actually had half a year because I had to finish. So Loyola, where I went, um, has a language requirement, right? So you have to take up the 104. And I was in both. I was a real try hard early on, so I took both Chinese and Arabic. Oh um, wow! Two yeah. very hard ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wu Zhong. Uh, I forget it now, but I was supposed to say I'm not a good Chinese student. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I just slowly, kind of, just quietly left. Right. Then moved up to New York City. Lived in Bed Stuy for two months on a blow up mattress. Right before the brothers were cool enough with me. They're like, hey, Tiffin, why don't you just sleep on our couch? You're not sleeping on a blow-up mattress in some random apartment in Bed-Stuy that you're renting off Facebook. Okay, right? sure. Um, so, yeah, did that, and then lived on the brother's couch for a little bit. But yeah, man, that's how we got there. That's crazy, man. I mean, that's a cool story because I don't know if you know, people know a lot about the brothers, but interesting to know that someone else who was there early on um, you know, was struggling just the same. So. You get to do that. Um, so, and then you even explain D to C ramping quickly. What was it like getting the keys to D to C? You seem like, because just from, you know, t- I've talked to you a few times, it, you seem like the kind of person that you're totally fine with getting something, given the keys, there's no real way besides you just figuring it out. Is that, is that, was that kind of like the perspective from the brothers? It was like, hey, here, Chris, figure this out. We, we know we got something here, but you can take it to a whole nother level if you just put some hard work into it. Yeah, yeah, and to define what it looked like at the very beginning, and I've had really, Jimmy and the brothers gave me great mentors and agencies to lean on and all these things, right? It okay, was definitely, sure. It wasn't a, it wasn't a one-trick, I'm not a one-trick pony, right? Like, the literally, it's almost like that saying where you're the summation of your five best friends, you know, like, mm-hmm. I love to say that when you're growing up, whatever. Um, this was like, I'm the summation of the five people that I had around at the table when I was at super coffee. Right. Uh, okay. yeah, man, it, it was, it was fun cause I had no idea what a P and L was. I had no idea what a three PL was. I had no idea how to run ads or how they even worked. Right. Or that literally at the time DTC was more of a science than an art. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of figuring it out. And there's this one story where this, this sums it up, right? I forget what year it was, but we did a very large amount on Amazon in one day, right? Like, okay, in sales? A, yeah, a very, very large amount, like an, uncared, like an absurd amount, right? And we were all so hyped. And then a couple hours later, I had to deliver the bad news where I was like, yeah, guys, all of those units that we just moved, somehow someone found a coupon code. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like deflated, right? Like it was, it, that summed it up, right? Where it's like, oh man, we figured it out. And then it's like, just kidding, right? It's like, yeah. just a coupon code that went rogue for a few hours. Um, yeah, man, it was fun. Learn, learned a ton. Um, mostly just around how to figure it out, right? Like I hate, again, I hate, I hate all the sayings, right? I'm, I'm such a not a sayings person. But it's like first principle, first principle problem solving, right? Okay. Where it's like you get to the core, you get to the core problem of like, okay, what am I really trying to solve, right? And for me, it was always, how do we hit this revenue target number this quarter, right? What do we have to do, right? Okay. And just work backwards. There. So even back then, you guys were focused very heavily on the monthly sales numbers. 
that I had one job. I had one job, and it was like, Tiffany, hit this number as efficiently as you can, right? And that's all that mattered, right? And, and what would you do, just because I think this is interesting for people who are in this world, what, what would you do if you're, let's say, halfway through a month and you're more than halfway behind your goal? What, what are some of the things that Chris is like, oh, shit, uh, here we go. I need to do this, this, and this to, oh. to hit my number at the end of the month. Yeah, man. Holy smokes. There's a, there's a couple of things. One is if we had, depending on the month, right, if we had seasonal inventory, I would then immediately communicate with our agency, which was Lunar Solar at the time, and I'd be like, Gina, right, we gotta, we gotta get an email queued up for the end of the month because we're sitting on all this seasonal inventory. We know people love it, so yeah. I should send a crazy fun email with a poem and a saying and a fun, like, play on of words. And let's try to try to move this product, right? Um, so we would do the weirdest things where it's like buy two, get one off, or like all these weird offers. But yeah, dude, it was all hands on deck, right? We would rip through creative iterations as quickly as, pop- as possible on paid social, right? To try to find something that would hit to make that goal easier. Um, yeah, man, wow. Take me down memory lane. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I tend to do on this show. Um, okay. So yeah, I get it. You're pulling some discounts. You're trying to get creative, pulling seasonals when it's time to move seasonals. All that makes a ton of sense. There's one more that I'll just throw as a little nugget and maybe we could put it on the Patreon or whatever. You get a paywall channel or whatever those are called. Um, but there's one other interesting tactic that I'll share with your listeners only if they want to hear it, because we're not going to say it live on air because I think a very large e-commerce player would not appreciate my hack. Uh, Okay. Yeah, so if you want to find it, Shane, we'll talk leave, offline. Yeah, I'll leave you with it. So then, if any of your listeners are interested, you'll have you'll have the secrets. But I love it. it. Okay, we'll definitely we'll 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 record that one offline. I'm dying to hear that one. That's very cool. What any good stories of uh, you know months where you just totally missed the number and you got uh, you got maybe a, a tough conversation from from Jimmy or another one of the brothers? Oh, every almost every month. <laughs> Every, every month, right? Because um, again, huge, massive goals, right? Because yeah, at the time, sure. I came right in. I came in a few months prior to this Series A, right? Okay. And then yeah. They'd post Series B, so during the heat of it, um, and every time, just massive, massive goals, in which seventy, we'd hit 70, 85 percent of the time, right? And I think what I appreciate from the brothers is like, as long as the efforts there. Right, as long as you are literally trying as hard as humanly possible and doing whatever you can, 75, 80 percent, 85, that's still a win. Okay. Right? You missed it. You missed it, but it's still, it's still a huge number because you missed because we were going for something ludicrous. Right? Sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, man. No, was- I love that. That's a that's a good way to think about it too. Yeah. Effort, consistent effort over uh, end results necessarily. Just show, it's like that, and that's what I'm learning now about now being in the brother's shoes. It's this job sucks. Right? <laughs> this job, this job sucks, and it's I, tough, it, isn't it? It's it's so, dude. It is so tough, man. Um, and I think the differentiator, the differentiator, is just showing up, right? Mm-hmm. Literally, just putting in the same amount of effort every single day. Yeah. And I always thought that was so corny, right? Like I, I was like, this is. I was like, guys, why are we keep saying this? Right, like this is, 
kind of a colloquialism or whatever that word is, but now being in that seat, I'm like, wow, it literally is just about showing up to every single meeting with a great attitude, right? Like literally just putting in the work, knocking off that number one thing on the to-do list that I have no interest in doing whatsoever. 100%. Right? But it's like, if I'm not doing it, nobody's doing it, right? Yeah, man. No, that's, I, I heard a quote recently that I, I look at every Monday because I think it's a really good reminder when you like get back into the week. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've felt it a lot over the last, you know, year and a half plus that I've been building my thing. But it's, um, it's better to be consistently good than occasionally great. And it's so true, right? Because if you're able to do even something that's small, but you do it five, six, seven days a week versus I feel like what a lot of people who are getting started with anything get overwhelmed with is they think they have to get all of it done or the biggest thing done in order for there to be any progress. And it's like, in reality, it's just a bunch of little things stacked up over years of time that gets you to where you want to be and not just, you know, a few days every couple of months that you're like grinding. That's not going to get you very far. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's so it's like, well, cause when you have that realization, you kind of realize, wow, okay, this is going to be a much longer journey than I expected. Right. And then, yeah, man, that's, I love, I love that saying and building off that, right. I heard, I was talking to some investor two weeks ago and they were like, yeah, tipping in this market. Right surviving is thriving right mm. and i was like wow legitimately and we can bet on the people who are just surviving are those that are showing up every single day right being consistently good day in and day out and i'm just like wow that is such a crazy reminder that we're not going to hit home runs every single month or every single quarter or every single day and like no one is and the expectation is that, that that's not shouldn't be the expectation um yeah, man. Wow. No, I love that. It's so true. You know, I thought about the other day, and now another analogy is even you know baseball, right? Like the best, the best are hitting just over, like getting on base three out of ten times. Um, so that just means they're you know they're they're get, they're doing good most of the time, right? Yeah, except they're not for, hitting home runs every. You know, it's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, except for you know just being funny. The only the only sports analogy that doesn't work is kickers. There's no reason they should ever miss a field goal. You That's practice. a fair point. That's a fair point. They're, they're kind of – well, unless you watch – did you watch the uh, Bengals-Pittsburgh-Steelers oh game yesterday? That God. was pretty funny oh for everyone God. listening. Yeah, there were, I think there were like four or five missed field goals. I might be exaggerating, but it, it felt like that. There were, it seemed like every other one was a miss. Every other one was a miss. <laughs> it's like that's your job. It's yeah. like you're paying millions of dollars to kick a ball 25 yards or whatever that is. You got to hit it. Yeah, no, I agree. But I guess at the same point, they're being consistently good. Like they're good most if they're good most of the time, and they're but they were only occasionally great, meaning they hit like one out of ten, they wouldn't have a job. So I mean, if they if they hit these, if they hit mid range kicks ninety five percent of the time, they're probably going to have a better you know better chance of having a job than not. I don't know. It's true though. That's funny. That is funny. That's a good one. Um, so cool. So you were at Super Coffee for a long time, uh, not a long time, but would you say a little over two years? Yeah, two, yeah, right around two and a half. Okay, that's crazy that it wasn't that, I mean, that's not that long in the grand scheme of things, but at, I know my experience at RX Bar, two, two and a half years is like, basically like 10 years at a normal company, so, um, you know, I know how that goes. You probably drank through a fire hose and learned more than you could have ever imagined, right? Where in that two, two and a half year journey then to transition to aisle, where did you start to come up with that concept? I know you mentioned at the beginning just like, Wanting to understand the customer better at retail, given that's where the vast majority of consumers are. Yep. 
where did that concept kind of come around? And then what was the initial kind of hypothesis and how did you even get the ball rolling? Again, thinking zero to one here, how did you go from knowing it's a big issue and there needs to be a, you know, a, a solution for it in the CPG space to actually being like, okay, I'm going to get the ball rolling on my concept. Like when did that happen and how did it happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it happened, let's say I was at super coffee for two and a half years, right? It was those last kind of six months because what, what I started to hear all the time, right, is as it become, became harder and harder to hit kind of top-line DTC growth numbers, right, it was, okay, Tiffin, how can we how can we use DTC to drive retail, right? How can we connect the offline to online shopper, right? So it actually all started with, and I'm wondering if I have a bottle around, um, it started with me trying to be sly and put a text opt-in on the bottle, right? So early, early on, there was, on the Super Coffee bottle on the side, there was text my coffee to 29071, right? Or there was my cream or, or my pods, or all of them were on the bottle at one given time, right? With the whole mindset, like the whole kind of problem statement and solution being, okay, let's see where these people are picking it up, right? And okay. let's see, in the event that they convert online, we'll know exactly where they live. Right? So if you so when someone texted that number, did you then respond and say like, "Thanks for texting"? Where did you purchase this type of thing? No, it was even like I wasn't even thinking about it like that, right? I was just like, "Okay, let's see if we can people if people will pick up a single bottle, right? Will they text in my coffee to two nine zero seven one, and then they'll be in our general flow, right? So then they'll get the ten percent off or the welcome series or the abandoned cards or all the ad hoc stuff." Right, so it was just like a baseline of okay, can we get people from retail to then convert online? Mm, okay. Right, um, so that's how it originally started because I was like, okay, we got to have some testing hypothesis, right? It's either, and we know driving from digital to retail is hard because we weren't going to run like store locator ads, right, or like brand awareness ads because that was a waste of money, right? And we were, we had to take that budget and make it useful to driving DTC. So yeah, it all started there, and then it kind of just developed, right, where I was like, wait a minute, if Super Coffee is having this issue, right, where we have no idea who our in-store shopper is or how can we drive that volume, and the brothers are one of the most prolific fundraisers of that era, right, um, I was like, that means everybody's starting to have that problem, sure. right? So yeah, without little hesitation, right, it was probably the span of 60 days, I developed the concept. Right then, I told the brothers. I sat down with the brothers, and I was like, "Hey guys, look, like I'm putting in my 60 days." Right? I was like, oh, this, okay. so this you didn't even have funding, nothing ready to go. You just gave your 60 days. Yeah, yeah. Chris, you, right. you're a you're just you just jump into stuff, man. I love it. <laughs> oh yeah, man. It's like me erasing the whiteboard. It's the same thing. It's like, I know. I, was, I wish I wish people would have seen the beginning of it. I didn't record before that for you on purpose, but I was like, there was a lot on that whiteboard that you erased. <laughs> And yeah, I was like, no, take a picture, do something. And you're just like, nah, I'm just going to race it. I'm like, okay, yeah, right. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would have been there like making sure I got a perfect picture and then save it, make sure it's saved. And then I would have raised it. That's so funny. Yeah, no, that's common. I'm sure it'll come up again. But yeah, it was, I put in my 60 days. Um, had, had the thought, I was like, all right, this is how it flow. And I had one hypothesis, right? It is, I believe in three things, death, taxes, and no one has space on their phone for another iPhone app. Right, like that was the core. That was the core thing 
because at the time, I think I was 23 or 24 years old, I don't even remember how old I am now, and I was like, I'm not using Fetch or Ibotta or a paper coupon or a digital coupon, right? I'm like, I'm, and I'm supposed to be the generation that loves apps and loves all these things. I'm like, heck no, right? Um, so yeah, 60 days, hey guys, this is the idea. I would love your support. I would love your backing, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to go do it. Right. Okay. Oh, so so you let in with I'm leaving in 60 days, but I would love you guys to back this. Uh, yeah, I was like, I, I would love for. Do they have any sense of this before you gave your 60 day notice? Like, did you talk to them about it and kind of they knew what was going on? I I think I pre read the brothers a little bit because I never wanted to blindside them. Right? Sure. Um. So I was like, guys, what do you think about this? Right. And we, Jimmy and I would always just talk about it at the end of the day of just like, dude, how do we figure this problem out? Right. right? Um, so yeah, then I was like, I can't give them 30 days, right? Cause I was like, these guys have changed my life, right? Like I'm all about, I'm all about impulsivity and jumping in and really sending it, but I'm not going to leave people high and dry who've changed my life, you know? Yeah, totally. So yeah, 60 days, um, we taught, we chatted through it. We worked through it. They, they gave me introductions to other brands. Um, but yeah, man, then we just went out and did it. So how did you, I mean, first of all, congrats on that. Like that's. That's a leap of faith that a lot of people never take. Um, when you, when sixty days hit and you're like, okay, I'm fully doing Isle now. Where was Isle? Like, did you have any funding? Were you able to pay yourself at all? Like, what? Give everyone kind of the background on just that alone of the, like what the, what the stance was for lack of better words uh, with Isle and where you were, you know, financially and just from a, a brand like a overall product perspective because it's it's overall it's a product and we'll explain in a minute what Isle is to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> wow, man, this is funny. Um, this is <laughs> funny. I haven't thought about this stuff in such a long time. Um, so we after I left, the dude, I was crying like a baby for days. Right when you uh, left Super Coffee, you were. Oh, yeah, because I was like, that's my family. I'm like, that was legitimately my family, right? And I, I know it's super corny. Again, I'm not, uh, whatever. Like, those guys changed my life, right? And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm going out and doing my own thing. I don't have Jimmy to, to lean on or the brothers to protect me or whatever. So, yeah, it was emotional because I was like, I learned all of my good habits from that team, right? From literally okay. everybody there. I was like, wow, each of you had an impact on my life. Um, so, yeah, that was crazy. Luckily, right, so being there for two and a half years, I was able to sell half of my half of my stock, right? Half of my Oh stock gotcha. Okay, nice. So but then I quickly learned <laughs> about liquidity preference, taxes, and the fact that ESOP, right? So common stock does not guarantee the same price that that Series B investor just paid for. Right? Ah, yes. So I, I learned the I learned a good lesson. So the payday that I thought I had was still incredibly great, right? It helped me for 12 months, um, but I learned a hard lesson. But yeah, I think for the first two months, right, I just kind of built it on the side, looking, watching Google, building it on the side, and playing like Fortnite and just kind of like decompressing, right? Okay, okay. Um, okay, so you had a little bit of, it wasn't the cushion you thought you were going to have, but you did end up getting somewhat of a cushion to help kind of give you a year of runway to get it off the ground. That's yep. good to know. Okay, very cool. Yep, yep. A year of year of one, a year of personal runway, right? So then it was right around May or April, uh, April or May of last year, right? That's when started to have some traction, right? Because I built, we built this product, 
that it looked good from from the user perspective, but it was literally just me and my family and friends responding to people on the back end. Right? Oh, okay. So it, it wasn't automated, it was literally you submit a picture of your receipt and then us on the back end, we looked at the receipt, we confirmed it, we sent the Venmo, right? Super manual, incredibly bare bones, there was no sophistication about it at all. Yeah. Right? And and real quick, I think it would be helpful, Chris, to even pause on that where you were in that time frame. Give everyone a real quick elevator pitch on what aisle is, so then we can get back into how you got to this point and people understand what we're talking about. Yes, yes. So so really quick there, right? Aisle is Aisle is a tool that allows a brand to turn any of their marketing channels right into an in-store purchase through an SMS retail loyalty program. AKA in non-buzzwordy speech, that means you sign up for Super Coffee's in-store loyalty program. You text a picture of your receipt to a given phone number, and then you get instantly Venmo, right? Um, the so way that, I like to – someone explained it to me was uh, you know, any retailer that you normally shop at, now these brands can target you. So if you buy Super Coffee, for example, and next time you go to your local grocery store, if Super Coffee's there, they could run a $2 off coupon. You now have this app. It's called Aisle. You go in. You buy the Super Coffee for full price. When you leave, you get your receipt. You take a picture of that receipt. You basically text text it to Chris and the team at Aisle, and then you get a Venmo immediately for the two dollars off. Is that yep. correct? Yep, yep. That was that. Which was. is something that doesn't exist today for everyone listening. That that is as as awesome of a concept as that is. It's amazing that that is something that you know. Chris and I met the first time. I was like, this is ingenious. I've dealt with this world at RX Bar for so yeah. long that I know the pain and agony brands are going through. And so, anyway. Genius, yeah. like genius concept. It's going to be huge, um, but that's essentially what it is. Yeah, it's so funny, right? It's always you know, on that vein, right? It's super simple. We removed all fric- friction from the brand side and the user side, right? Sure. And it, on that, it's I get on the sales calls nowadays, and like the sales call usually takes ten minutes because I'm like, here's what it does, and I'm not sure if that it's a great thing or a bad sign. Usually they close, right? So it's. But it's, hey, this is what it looks like from the user side. This is what it looks like from the brand side. This is your functionality. Are you ready to go? Mm-hmm. Right? Like we removed right. all, any and all friction or, or obvious stuff. But yeah, so last year, right? Last year, it was important to note that we were actually the consumer product. So Shane, just like you said, a user would sign up for aisle, right? They would do their normal grocery shopping. They would take a picture of their receipt. They would send it to that phone number, and then they would get instantly Venmo, Right? It was a hundred percent manual. It was it, it was crazy, right? Um, we scaled up super quickly, right? From zero to sixty thousand users in four months. We had fifty five brands. During that time, we were able to raise a million and a half bucks. Um, Damn! Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, man. It was it was fun. I mean, then again, who didn't raise money last year? Right? I make that joke because it's literally they, people were giving it away. Yeah. Um, from General Catalyst, Boulder Food Group, Klano Funds, and like strategics and people in our network, right? Um, but very quickly, I learned my first kind of true hard lesson uh, as a founder. It's uh, growth at, a, at all costs dies very quickly, right? Okay. And yeah. like, that, that's my, like, I'm a very much a go-getter attitude. I will do this t- yesterday, right? Like, if, if we needed help on the engineering, I would literally go on YouTube or Google, watch a video and then say, wait, I think I can help you guys out. What do you think? 
typically I was usually wrong and my code was <laughs> terrible and they didn't yeah. use it, right? But yeah, man, we, we launched last year as a consumer product, scaled up way too quickly. Um, and then right around November, December, that's when we were like, we can't do this anymore, right? Where I had to make the super hard call of this is not going to end well for anybody. Right, the team was getting burnt out because we were like we were manually responding to thousands of users every single day. Got right? it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like the brand dashboards and all this stuff, it was held together by duct tape, very transparently. Yeah, right? sure. It was just like we we just they came before we built it. Right, going back to a good old baseball example. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That makes that's um, a good good way to think about it. Yes. So November and December, that's when told all the investors like, hey guys, we definitely have something here. Right, we definitely have something. We have to work out the kinks. We have to be able to handle infinite scale, mm-hmm. right? And that's exactly what we did, right? So we have a wizard of an engineer, David Langva, right? And pretty much in three months, from December to pretty much April, he rebuilt the whole entire thing from scratch. Wow! Right? He built the whole entire thing from scratch. And now I can happily say Isle as a tool has handled over 350,000 conversations and a, like a human only has to reply to maybe a hundred per day. Right. Oh, wow. So it's cut this down drastically. It is, it is single handedly unlocked where our business, is, why we're still around. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's a quick backstory. So now getting to where we are today. Right of where hopefully a lot of listeners will see is we power all the brands loyalty programs, right? So Super Coffee, Nugs, Vita, Coco, like any program, and a lot of them will see online, right? Where like as digital ads, where it's like, hey, text us for one free can of Culture Pop or one free jar of dough, right? Or any of these things. That's where we power it. Um, but yeah, man. Got it. Okay, so now it's kind of a v2 of the app that's out into the world um for i'm so curious too and i think back to so using venmo was a great idea i mean that that's just something a lot of people our age obviously use and i'm sure that that was an easy way to to kind of for lack of better words like make that seamless where did the where did the funding come from when you venmo someone though was that was that part of the raise was because you kind of have is it does the platform work where you guys venmo immediately but then you're getting paid by the brands on the back end yep yep exactly right and, and as a as a today and that's one thing that we really had to work out right cash conversion cycle right so pretty much starting from the beginning right on may one right when we officially launch is brands have a card on file and we charge every monday for the previous week right mm. so our cash cycle we only float seven days right um because that's that's a solid amount right i would we would do it much faster, but Stripe is so dang expensive, it, it cut into our margin a little bit too much. But yeah, man, luckily we got that turned around because that's the, that's the biggest thing about these cashback apps, right? Like being totally transparent is you see them start, pop up, gain a lot of traction, then immediately die because it's usually like a under, like a fundamental underlying uh, cash flow problem, right? Because then the brand, like then the whoever's advertising will be like, oh, we want net thirty, net sixty, net ninety. It's like you yeah. gotta be sitting on a war chest. If you have a successful app, you gotta be sitting on a war chest in order yeah. to be able to fund that, right? No, that makes a ton of sense because as you grow, your cash cover, even on seven days, has to get bigger and bigger and bigger. 
right? So it's like it's like a problem that gets worse as you as you get better and grow. <laughs> yeah. So does that mean for you like the fundamental growth trajectory of Isle, you, you're going to need more and more funding, or is it kind of self funding the growth? Yeah. It, right and I don't know if you don't want to share that. That's fine. I'm just I'm genuinely curious. It's just super yeah. interesting. No, heck yeah, dude. I, I'm so transparent about this stuff. So luckily we're at a spot right now and relying on people much smarter than me where it's if X, right? So if we're, if we're doing X amount in Venmo or PayPal transactions in seven days and this is our cash balance, then transfer this amount because we'll hit in three to five days and you'll always kind of have this maintenance coverage. Right, because what we don't want is, or we can't have, right, is floating way more. Just to be safe, floating way more to PayPal, having that take up all of our working cash, and we can't do the things we want to do, right, and take advantage of opportunities we want to take advantage, right, because all of our cash is hung up in PayPal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's almost pretty much just got down with a really smart, almost like I think he's a PhD in applied implied math, and it's like if this is your PayPal balance and you do this much in a, in a rolling 14-day period, transfer this much into your PayPal on this date and you'll be good to go. Oh, right? wow. Uh, so you guys have this all built out. We had to, right? It's yeah. our option. Otherwise, we'd die. Because my worst fear that keeps me up at night is we miss a transfer and then all of the brands, no one gets paid, right? None of their users get paid, right? Like they're submitting receipts and there's no Venmo money to send. Yeah, because that's our whole that's our whole entire business. It's instantly. Yeah. Right? And if we can't deliver on that, it's we don't have a business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, true. And if you have even if you have a few interactions where people have issues getting paid immediately, I'm sure that that's kind of like word of mouth you don't want, um, right? Something people probably don't want to mess around with more than a few times. And that's why we have I have one I have one rule right as it relates to kind of brands and, and support. 24 hours or less response time, right? So if a brand is ever like, hey, this person didn't get paid, we jump on it right away. Okay. Because it's not how well, it it is not how well we do, right? Or it's like, yeah, we moved literally 10,000 units for you this month, right? And you have 25,000 phone numbers and all all these things, but it's, you guys didn't pay out this one user. Now this one user feels terrible, does not like my brand, Mm-hmm. Because you guys didn't do your job, right? Got it. And yeah, so, it makes sense. Yeah. And then for the brands, for people listening, I'm sure this is a, a question. So the one other thing that your app provides is the brands get the information from those consumers, right? They get the do they get the name, the phone number, all that stuff that you normally would get from a D to C order. Now you get that from a retail transaction. Yep, exactly. Right? As long as that user converts and text that fo- that text that receipt to actual veggies hotline, right? Um, the brand gets that, right? Which is super cool. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then for the brands, yeah, that can like that never can end, right? Just like D to C, like you're growing essentially like a mailing list or a text list that's now consuming a larger growth trajectory because you're talking about retail, which for a lot of brands at the stage you're probably working at their retail presence is growing, you know, as fast, if not faster than D to C, you're getting more doors. So it could be a lot more people coming through the pipeline. And yes. And what's crazy, right. Is what's interesting is with all this, cause yes, when the people do convert, you get all that information, but what we're actually finding is equally as valuable as the brains that don't convert. 
There's like mm. the users that don't convert, right? Sure. Because then you wait 14 days and then we send that, we have an automated message where it's like, hey, it's say, like for on Sandra, I'll use Sandra, for example, right? Where it's like, hey, it's Sandro, founder of Sandro, notice that you haven't given us a try, why? Right, so now the brand knows, okay, is it because our store locator wasn't accurate, right? Is it because we were, they looked in the grocery store, but they couldn't find us, right? So your planogram spot, you got kicked off shelf, or I know like dry beverage, like dry beverage is literally the wild west, right? Where it's like no planogram, you're just kind of on the shelf. So it's cool because now these brands can get all of this information, they can crowdsource out of stocks or voids, right? In addition to getting all of this customer data and lifetime value surveys for people who do convert, right? So it's like a double whammy that we just kind of recently stumbled upon. Um, but yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that, I didn't think about that part. It solves something that I remember at RX bar too that became like a huge issue was just not understanding if velocities were changing drastically in store. There's no way to know unless you have like a dirty hands. And even with those guys, like they can only be in so many places so often. And getting that information back can be difficult, I felt like. Got it. So it's, it's just like another touch point for people in retail to understand what the hell's going on. Dude, exactly, right? Because we just launched, we just released a zip code functionality, right? Okay. So now we prompt the user to, hey, give us, what's your zip code? We'll find the closest store near you, right? Mm-hmm. So two things happen there. One, you as a user have a much better experience because you we do the hard work for you, right? So you let's say you sign up for like coconut cold or Ourobora, right? It's like you put in your zip code. We then say, hey, you'll find, uh, you'll find us, Ourobora, at this local retailer, right? Which is two miles away from you. Now, okay. if you don't convert, we'll know why, right? Because you either couldn't find it or it wasn't on shelf. And maybe we'll, we'll even ask that question, right? So it's like this, now you really start to have a complete holistic picture of a user put in their zip code. And now we either know that the user wants it there, right? Like crowdsourcing of, hey, I want you to carry, like, Mr. Retailer, we have a thousand people in the one thousand, like one zero zero one three zip code that wants our product, you should carry us, right? Yeah. And then on the other side, it's, hey, you gave us your zip code, we know you're near us, why didn't you convert? Now you can start to attach a zip code to a retailer to a reason why they didn't convert. You literally have everything you need, right? Super cool. Wow. Okay. That's wild, man. Yeah. 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 You guys are solving a lot more than just one issue. Very, very cool. I mean, my head's just spinning because obviously as we've chatted before with, with, you know, always being involved with trade spend at RX, these are things that we would have jumped all over. Um, So for you and, and we've talked about this, I, I think it sounds like obviously the concept makes a ton of sense. The, the funding is, is something that is, a challenge as you grow with scale, which with an with an app, it seems like that's probably one of the biggest issues and challenges that comes with with building something like you're building. Um, is it true to say that? And I'm not saying this from like an arrogance perspective, but just it almost seems like your product is such a need that your problem is going to be you're going to want too many people all at once. Like like you're going to have so many brands. I feel like it's like a, almost a slam dunk if you approach a brand with this. And then on the consumer side, I don't know why consumers wouldn't also get, this is like a no brainer for them. So is that, I'm sure that's like, is that a stressful thing? And like trying to understand like, how do you not curb excitement? Cause if I'm sitting in your shoes, I'm like, we want all these people. We want all as many brands as we possibly could. It's going to overwhelm the system. But then you also don't want to put people off for too long. Cause maybe they'll just like forget about it or, or something else will come along. 
So how are you guys thinking through all that? Yeah, man. Um, we're living through that right now, actually. Right? So th- this just this just became an issue last week. Right? Okay. And I'm not even saying that, like, metaphorically. It lit, like, last week, so in May, right? In May, we started with, with brand number one, which is nuts. Right? Like, we started with the O. They were our OG patient zero brand zero and now we just crossed over 101 brands on the platform right oh wow congrats from may to now yeah yeah dude and last week it just kind of hit me where i was like holy i'm like i feel overwhelmed right and like i like to think i have a very high threshold to just keep hammering and getting after it right and for me to feel overwhelmed and, and of course the team voiced it, but we're like, this is so exciting, right? I was like, wow, we officially are now headcount constrained. We are officially just getting hammered by everyone. Yeah. So like all these brands were so excited, right? Like literally enterprise brands. And I'm like, holy smokes, I have no idea how to even begin to service you guys. Because <laughs> it's just like a different world. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Different, different world. Um yeah, man, starting to feel it now, and there's a couple things. There's actually two things. One is systemically um, looking to actually change our pricing to provide more stability in the actual financials of our business, right? Okay. Because right now we're just a flat monthly, like a flat fee per user, right? There's no monthly minimums. There's no annual spend. There's nothing like that. Um, so number one because it's the core of the problem, right? The core of the problem is we have all this momentum, we have all these brands spending all this money, but it's not predictable, it's not truly repeatable, Yeah. right? So it's like, first of all, let's solve for that, because then as soon as we solve for that, and I hope to have that solved in the next 30 days, then that's when we can continue to capitalize on the growth and the momentum by bringing in two more engineers and two more account managers, right? Like, that is exactly the core. So again, first principle problem, whatever that is, right? It's our core issue isn't that we need more headcount, right? Because that's obvious. Our core issue is we need to provide more stability to our underlying business to then allow us the certainty to bring in these people to scale up, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm not sure that I answered your question at all. Uh, no, for sure it did. I mean, it, it sounds like a complex issue that, Honestly, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about and staying close in, in, in contact with you, man, because this it just seems like there's such an opportunity um, and there's so much to figure out, which I'm sure is a challenge, but also fun at the very at the same time. Uh, that's, that's half the fun of entrepreneurship is just figuring stuff out. Um, that's wild. No, really pumped for you again before just to give everyone a background. Like when I worked at our X bar, I was deep into this from trade spend promotional management at our X bar and. This is such a key problem that, as Chris alluded to, no matter the size of the company, if you're selling in retail, this is a this is a challenge and something that really no other company has has solved very well. So there's a ton of upside. Um, Chris, I think that the the next obvious thing um, would just be, yeah, what's the team going to look like? Do you? I mean, I'm sure you're trying to figure all this out right now, but are you guys planning on? expanding a lot through the end of this year it sounds like there's a lot a lot of room to do that there's lots of lots of different things you're thinking about tweaking and changing but what's the next you know rest of this year look like it sounds like you're on a rocket ship so maybe you don't know the, all the answers to that yet but for people listening who maybe want to check out aisle when what do you think the next few months looks like how can more people 
get involved? How can people try the app? When can people try the app? All that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. So when people can try it is you'll probably actually start to see it live. You'll, you should start to see it live across Instagram. You should just start to see it, right? Like if you ever see a brand that says, text us for a free cup or a free can or anything like that, right? Or an in-store QR code that says, scan this and we'll Venmo you $5, right? You as the user won't know it's us, right? But that's, mm. that's powering it, right? Um, and I think what is the next four, what does the rest of the year look like, right? Well, right now we're on pace to, to crack a million users on the platform, right? Wow. And should be, we have 185 brands in our pipeline right now. Um, so should be looking to close out 200 and be at 250 brands by the end of the year, right? Um, and, and the biggest thing, right? Again, I have no idea what I'm doing, right? I just want to, I want to make sure that I know, to, that's listening to know that. And, but I think one thing I do know is I'm going to be slow on, on hiring, not for the right person because that's a given, right? And to make sure they're the right culture fit, but just to be as cash efficient as possible, right? Sure. Um, and, and how I, what, what that criteria looks like is as soon as our quality of work starts slipping, okay, we, we missed the 24 hour brand response time or less, right? Or the amount of feature requests that are coming in, right? Are overloading our development roadmap. Like we literally, I pride ourselves on, we pump stuff out so quickly, but it's quickly becoming a, we're not pumping stuff out quickly enough because the brands are asking for the same core things. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, so yeah, hiring is uh, right now uh, CSM, right? Like a brand manager and another engineer. Um, and then once those two seats are hired or filled, then once the business starts screaming and crying again, that's when we'll take on another two, right? Um, but yeah, that's some philosophy and kind of methodology right now, but we'll see how that changes. Love it, man. Very cool. Um, I know we're getting low on time, so the last few questions I always love to ask everyone that comes on here are, are coming up next. The, the first one is source of knowledge. So whether that's a book you've read recently a podcast, just an article, what would be a source of knowledge you'd want to share with the audience today of something that's been impactful that you have, uh, you know, either read, listened to, or, or seen lately? Yeah, super recently, The Messy Middle, right? Um, the Messy Middle, written by Scott Belsky. It's the dude who sold the hands to Adobe for an absurd amount of money. And this goes back to, like, the conversations that we had earlier of, like, enduring, Right? And everyone likes to talk about the start, right? Like celebrating, oh, me leaving super coffee and getting money, right? And then they like to celebrate the end where it's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be operative word, massive. There's going to be a huge payday, all that stuff. Right, sure. Uh, but it's, it's the middle part that, that nobody talks about and is ultimately the decider on if you're going to make it or not, right? Love that. Yeah, it's like where the rubber meets the road, honestly. And it's like, you never, uh, it's, yeah, you know, it's like, you, I think I'll let the be, the book speak for itself, um, but it's just like truly impactful where it's like right now we're in this stage where things are going well, right? Where we have a clear path to certain benchmarks to raise the Series A and all that stuff, but it's like now it's just about showing up every single day, being consistently good, right? And Love it. Not memorizing yeah. anything, but yeah, man. Love that. Okay, well, I will link that one in the show notes. That's a that's a badass one. It's one that you told me last time we chatted, so it's on my list to read now. 
Um, the the last question, and we'll get to one more, but the the second to last question, I guess, is um, you kind of hit it on at the beginning. But what do you use to get shit done? Whether it's pen and paper, your whiteboard, an app, what do you kind of use to map out all the things you need to get done and prioritize the important shit? And just at the end of the day, get as many things done as you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, started at pen and paper, then it just quickly has now gone to iPad. The whiteboard is specifically for urgents. But now, uh, I found that I, when I get anxious, I do, I do like the little tiny work, right? That, that really doesn't move the needle. I'll do, I'll check our margin for the month. I'll do revenue forecasting, even though we're, it hasn't changed much, right? Sure. Um, I'll do all these little tiny things. So what I do, right, um, besides from like how I write stuff down is whatever's screaming at me the most often, right? It is, if, if I get the repeated thing of like, Tiffin, can you please do this? And all brains are asking for the same thing of, can you fire up this flow or X, Y, Z, right? Um, ultimately, I let, uh, the universe is such a crazy word. <laughs> no, I get it though. That makes sense. You know, it's like you have your one guiding star that you do throughout through the one week. You have that one thing that you're focused on, but yeah. ultimately, I get that one. I get one part of that done early in the day, beginning, knock it out, and then I literally just uh, proactively react. Uh, oxymoron. No, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Love it, Chris. Hey, man, that's 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 what you got to do. I agree. There's a lot of things moving, so you got to pick and choose. Um, I know we're we're right at the end now, so. Last but most importantly, how can people follow along with you and keep an eye on Isle and find out more about it? And just so you know, I'll add all these links to the show notes, but just for people listening. Let's go. Number one, my LinkedIn. It's I really post that crazy stuff. Um, I'm just Tiffin with the peace sign. My first name's Chris, but only my girlfriend and my mom call me that. And then if you want to check out our website, it is www.gotoisle.com. That is www.gotoisle.com. Love it. And I will post all that. Chris, I guess I should call you Tiffin now because now I know you. So I, I'm still calling you Tiffin. Um, thank you for taking the time, man. Really appreciate it. I will obviously be keeping a close eye on all of this as you continue to expand. And I'm pumped for you, man. It's an awesome product. And uh, it's, it was a pleasure having you on the show, man. Thanks for taking the time. Shane, I appreciate it, man. Your questions, you nailed them. You have me thinking about Now I'm going to go think about my childhood at the end of the day. Great. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully not too much. Hopefully you're still focused on aisle, but I, I, I love it, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Happy, happy Monday. <laughs>